there are two places in the Gospel of Mark where he talks about something being torn, something being ripped. Today we've heard about the heavens being torn apart. And when they're torn apart, two things happen. One is there's a certain finality. When things are ripped or torn, it's hard to put them back together again. Maybe you can patch them for a while. Uh, but it's very difficult. Our treasurer is healing from a torn Achilles t tendon, and he will tell us how very, very long it takes for a modicum of healing to come together. It's hard. There's a certain finality about things being torn. And the other thing that happens is that when things are torn, you can see through them, and, and certain things become transparent in a, in a way that it's like a, a full stop or an exclamation mark. And what we're seeing today is Jesus being declared beloved in his baptism, being declared beloved of God in his baptism in a, way that, in a way that is incontrovertible. The heavens were torn apart. It's when Jesus appears on the scene that this first happens. And the second time Mark uses the word, it is at the end of the story when Jesus is departing. And it is at the, after the crucifixion. And Mark says the, the curtain in the temple was torn in two. And what became apparent there was more about, less about Jesus' person and more about his work or his purpose. And so we have almost like bookends, the beginning and end of the gospel, something being torn in a way that makes for a certain finality as something is important is revealed. Now what that is, in some ways, is, is more to do with the fall than with creation, it's, which we heard about this morning. It's more to do with, it's more like a reversal of Eden when Adam and Eve ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, something was changed forever. They became aware of right and wrong. They became aware of themselves. They became aware of a whole load of other things. And that created a kind of disease, a kind of anxiety. And the way they started handling it was blaming each other. The woman tempted me. The man did this. The snake did that. And looking for people to blame. And very quickly, those mechanisms by which humans, we, manage our anxiety, start leading to separation, start leading to in-groups and out-groups, and, and very quickly lead to violence and murder. So the first story is Cain and Abel. And what is final about the fall is the, are these mechanisms of human sin that infect human life uh, according to the story. And what happens in Jesus is Jesus doesn't buy into that. Jesus doesn't live that way. We say he lived with absolute integrity, or the tradition says he lived without sin, that he lived with absolute respect for others. He lived into right relationship. He lived into righteousness, and it was the sin of the world. It was all the mechanism that couldn't stand integrity in our midst that put him to death. He died for the sins of the world, and what was unveiled when the temple was torn in two was not just that he was beloved, but what was unveiled was all those mechanisms we use to manage our own anxiety and all of the things that create such heartbreak and such dissension and such brokenness in our human relationships. One of those mechanisms among the many is the mechanism that some of us use, some of the time, most of us use at one time or another, of claiming the status of victim. Now, there are, of course, victims in this world. There are, of course, people whose circumstance essentially does wrong to. We have plenty of people who are victims of the economic recession. Uh, but that is different 
than claiming the status of victim and saying, because I'm a victim and I deserve your compassion, you must listen to me because I'm a victim. And so I claim the status of victim in order to try and get you to do what I want, to try and manage things. And a victim in this sense, one who claims the status of victim, doesn't have to learn anything, doesn't have to change, and that's not who we are as Christians. We're seeing this in the Middle East. I don't know what to say about Gaza and what's going on there, except that every player in that conflict is committed at some level to the status of victim, of the ones who are most vulnerable, the ones who are most hard done by. And by claiming that status, trying to claim world support. And so Israel is a minority surrounded by a sea of Arabs who hate them. And Palestinians who are Arabs are a minority in a sea of uh, Jews. And Hamas, there was one commentator this week, said that they had to fire rockets so that they could be attacked, so that they could garner support because they were being attacked. Now, how perverse is that? Everyone's a victim. And that conflict is going to go on and on and on. I do not know solution, but I hope and pray that someone will start declining to claim that status. Because I think then there will be some kind of hope. We see this in church conflicts. Wherever you fall, if you, fall, follow, if you follow any of our inter-Nicene Anglican conflicts, number one, you might see what's on television. But number two, on number two, everyone is claiming that the others started it and that we're the offended party. It doesn't matter what side you're on. And it's a way of saying, no, 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 we're, we're somehow the vulnerable. We're the ones who need your attention and support in this in this conflict. And we're going to see that more and more as this recession bites and some of you already have lost your jobs and others of us may along the way. And and we're saying, how can we help one another remember that we are beloved of God and that that's the status that matters and that when we trust in God, however bad things get, we are still of infinite value and of infinite worth. And so we've been talking about gathering a group, which is announced in our bulletin today, gathering a group of people, anyone who wants to, who's unemployed or underemployed or looking for a job, to meet with some regularity and say their prayers and remember that they are beloved of God, that God has given us work to do, to love and to serve, even when we are looking for jobs, to keep each other accountable, to help one another Uh, manage this incredibly difficult time, and in some ways to be a leaven for all of us by declining to claim the status of victim as a kind of manipulation, as a kind of way of trying to get the world to owe us a living, and instead say, no, we are beloved children of God, and that's in the end what matters, and we can help each other remember that, and we can help each other live according to that, which means we will live a little less anxiously, and a little more freely, and a little more gracefully, and a little more generously, even when life is really, really hard. So Jesus declines to participate in the mechanisms that make for human sin. And human sin brings about his death. And he dies for the sin of the world. And all of those mechanisms are unveiled as the truly innocent victim goes to his death. 
And week after week, we come here together, in a way doing what that group of people, that spiritual community that will gather of people looking for jobs, doing what we all do, and gather around the table confronted by the one true victim, the last victim, if you like, the end of sacrifice, the one who died on a cross and who was vindicated by God and who each week reminds us, you don't have the status of victim, I'm the true victim. You have the status of beloved children of God, forgiven, loved, and freed. You can live less anxiously. Take my life into yours. Take the substance of a life of integrity into yours, and you can live more free, and you can be 11 in the world, and you can be good news for broken people, because you, at your baptisms, were declared beloved of God. The heavens were torn apart and beloved was named. The curtain was rent in two and our mechanisms for managing anxiety were laid bare. And we confess our sins and receive forgiveness and try and live a little more faithfully, a little more freely by the grace of God. Let us respond to the gospel in silence and in prayer.